Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. We partner with missionaries all over the world, and, and uh, we, we, we met one of them a couple weeks ago, Kevin Faldi, who is a, sort of a traditional missionary. He's in one country. He uh, manages uh, things in that country, uh, stays there as much as he can. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna hear from from Craig Alsop and and Craig is uh, with Mano Worldwide, which is one of our major uh, missionary partners, missions partners. And, and Craig and his wife Jennifer are sort of different kinds of missionaries. Um, they they are managers of huge projects. Um, Craig is in charge of all of Asia for Mana, and he he manages projects like like the one we're going to partner with, uh, a feeding center in Thailand, but he's also um, got an orphanage in Nepal, and he's got an orphanage in the Philippines, and his, you can imagine what his frequent flyer miles are like. It's kind of cool, I mean, but, uh, but it, it, he, is, uh, he, he is a brilliant missionary manager of projects. He makes sure that churches are connected to projects that can most serve the gospel in those places that are hardest to reach. And he spends a lot of time over there. They spent the entire summer in Nepal this year. Um, and I learned last night at dinner that their their 11-year-old daughter can actually speak a, quite a bit of Nepalese, which just makes me feel stupid. But um, hey, would you, uh, would you give a very warm Cape Cod Church welcome to Craig Alsop from Manor Worldwide. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, good morning, Cape Cod Church. How are y'all? I am happy to be here with you this morning. Happy to be here with the, the guys from Teen Challenge, man. Wasn't that amazing? I like what the last guy said. It's, it's not easy sometimes to do the things that God calls us to do, but it is better. It is good. It does make things better, right? Well, church, I want to I share a little bit about the story that God used uh, to lead my family and I to become missionaries this morning. I want to share a little bit about how God took us from a very different place, uh, a very uh, just normal life, uh, to become the people that, again, get to be here on stage this morning with you. Um, let me start out. Uh, by praying, and then we'll jump right into it. Father, thank you for this morning. And God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And God, we thank you for allowing us to be in Cape Cod Church as the church, worshiping you. Father, we pray that you will lead us today and every day of our lives to live that full life that you've called us to, to demonstrate that fullness of life to others so that they may come to know you, so that they may find salvation, so that they may begin to trust you and love you, and then begin to love and serve others. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for their generosity, for all that they do around the world and in this community to impact lives for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, I want to introduce you to the family. Um, I'm Craig. I am the least important, I think. Um, 
my wife, Jennifer, is back there. She is a back row uh, churchgoer today. Uh, back row Baptist is what we would say down in Mississippi where we're from. But uh, my kiddo, Sarah, is beside her, and she does speak quite a bit of Nepali. Sadly, we've had the same amount of classes in Nepali language, and somehow she speaks way more than I do. I tell her, because my brain's like, hard and dried up and hers is still mushy and you know what I'm saying uh, I don't know if that's really how it works but uh, works for me but we are the also family my son Jude is back there in the kids area he's eight so he said I'm definitely young enough to play while you're talking um, so, <laughs> so you see where his uh, loyalties lie uh, but we are assistant directors for Asia with Mana Worldwide we never expected to be assistant directors for Asia with anything. Uh, we never expected to be missionaries. In fact, uh, my wife and I went to school uh, for me to be a uh, counselor working with kids and for my wife to run public health clinics. And we did that and we thought that that was all God had for us. But in 2005, we got married, and the month later, as we all do when we first get married, we come up with great ideas, right? Like, let's go get a puppy or two or a kitten, right? But instead, for us, it was, let's work all the time for a couple years. Let's get all the jobs we can. Let's never go on dates. Let's never get flowers. Let's not do any of those things. Let's save all the money, and then let's go travel the world. Right? Not a bad, I mean, better than a puppy and a kitten. Um, and then we began to work, save money. At the end of a couple years, we quit everything, we sold everything, we packed up some clothes and a couple backpacks, and we started to travel. We just decided we were going to go west until the money ran out, and then we'd come back home and start real life. Kind of a pre-retirement, you know, pre-life retirement. Uh, we began to travel and went to Fiji and then New Zealand and Australia. We worked our way up into Southeast Asia, and it was there that we noticed desperate poverty really for the first time in our lives. Uh, growing up in Mississippi, you know, probably the most impoverished state in our nation, we thought that we were poor. Like we thought we didn't have much. And then we traveled into Southeast Asia, and we realized that everything that we had was more than what they had. That just because we had a house, a roof over our heads, and food in our refrigerator, and a little bit of money in our pocket, that made us some of the richest people on earth. We notice spiritual poverty as well. We notice a desperation in the eyes of people. That they were desperately seeking for someone, for something to believe in, and finding nothing. We traveled up into Nepal after Southeast Asia, into Central Asia, and we had this great idea. It was my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> it was her idea to go on this around-the-world trip. It was her fault that we decided to go climb mountains in Nepal as two kids from Mississippi. I may not need to tell you, but it turns out that living in Mississippi your whole life does not prepare you for high-altitude hiking. <laughs> Somehow we missed that lesson in science class or whatever, right? And we started hiking on like our second day in Nepal. 
We began to climb a mountain and we got altitude sickness almost immediately. It was the worst of the worst possible conditions. Uh, everything sort of falls apart when you get altitude sickness. And all of a sudden we were taken from two young, strong 25-year-olds to like feeble, can't take three steps without taking a deep breath kind of people. So we got off the mountain. And now we think that maybe God got us off the mountain because... When we got off the mountain, we had a month left in country, and we went to a little city named Pokhara. It was by a beautiful lake, and it was surrounded by beautiful mountains, but it was almost at sea level, so you could look at the mountains without having to climb them. And I'm like, why didn't we think of that in the first place? So we're hanging out in Pokhara, sort of getting some R&R and getting to where we feel better. And Jennifer notices, again, Jennifer notices a sign for an orphanage one day. And so she says, we should go and volunteer. So we wander up to this orphanage. We ask if we can volunteer. They put us to work like peeling potatoes and cutting vegetables, like real beginner's work. Um, And later that day, the kids came home from school and we fell in love with some kids. And in particular, we fell in love with a little boy named Sagar and a little girl named Asha. They were almost four and about eight years old. And we decided while we were there that we were going to begin to sponsor them, that we were going to put ourselves on the line and say that they matter to us because they matter to God, that we were going to give from our travel money to support these kids. God used that moment to attach our hearts to Nepal, to the people of Asia forever. During that same trip, we met a man named Banad there in Nepal who had started an orphanage and a school in a slum area, and we began to support his work as well, to go into all the world, to go into Nepal, to share the gospel. Fast forward a year later, we ran out of money, we came home, we got jobs. We started going into our church and talking about all that we had experienced We ended up leading a mission team back to Nepal, having no idea what we were doing. And during that trip, I was on my knees on the rooftop of a building, crying out to God, saying, God, whatever it is you want me to do, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to give, the answer is yes. And wherever you want me to go, the answer is yes. You know, just like one of these moments with God on a rooftop, right? We made it home from that trip and we began to give more and we began to financially support these orphans more and this orphanage more and ministry more. We got friends involved to start giving. And in 2015, I end up back in Nepal praying again, saying, God, what is it that you would have us do next? Because we felt like the path had not ended. God was still placing things in front of us to step into. There was more to do. So we ended up starting our own nonprofit because we thought that uh, no nonprofit ministry would ever pay attention to us because we didn't have the right degrees and the education and all the upbringing and all the things that would make us like the perfect candidates. So we started our own thing. And a month after getting approval for our own thing, massive earthquakes hit Nepal. We were able to launch into disaster relief and rebuild and help to rebuild and help to share the gospel in over 20 villages. By that summer of 2015, my pastor had noticed that we had a heart for this. 
that we were desperately looking for ways to be more involved. So he introduced me to a man named Bruce O'Neill, who's the founder of Mana Worldwide. And by the end of a conversation with Bruce, Bruce says, you know what we've been looking for? We've been looking for an assistant director for Asia, specifically somebody with contacts among Hindu people in Nepal or India, because we're trying to grow projects there. And I think you're the guy. I was like, I'm sure I'm not the guy, Bruce. But I'll pray about it, because that's what you say when you're scared to death and God throws something in front of you, right? And over the next few months, we prayed about it, and we felt like God was calling us to take another leap of faith. We sold everything again. We packed our stuff up with our small kids at that time, and we began to travel and speak in churches as assistant directors for Asia with MANA. MANA Worldwide works in 50 different countries around the world about 245 different ongoing projects alongside local church partners to help them to reach the community around them, to meet needs like food and shelter and clothing and education, to help with anti-child trafficking projects, to dig water wells, to build orphanages. God took us from where we were to where he wanted us to be, church. And as we step out in faith here at Cape Cod Church this morning, God will do that for each of us differently, but impactfully to change the world. I believe that Jesus gives us command for missions, church. I believe that in order to live a full life ourselves and in order to display this full life to other people, that we are to step into that command and say yes to that command from the king. This morning, we're gonna talk a little bit about Thailand, but I wanna tell you why it matters first. I wanna tell you why it matters that we give and we serve and we love people. Why it matters that we do these projects around the world and why it matters so much that my family stepped out of the jobs that we were doing in our careers to say yes to Jesus, to begin to travel the country and speak in churches like Cape Cod Church and to challenge people like you to get involved in this mission, to lead mission teams back and forth to different countries throughout Asia and around the world. It matters because Jesus gives us a command that I believe is clear in the gospel. In Matthew 25, we see Jesus speaking, and it's kind of this end of the age time that he's talking about. And he's talking about uh, people speaking to a king, speaking to the king, speaking to God. And Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. He says, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Notice the I and the me in here, church, because I believe it's significant. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. He says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Me, I. Does this sound personal? Does it sound like our Jesus takes what we do for those in need personally? I believe that it does. I believe that when 
Somebody reaches out into that muck and mire to reach somebody in Boston. And Jesus takes it personally. I believe that when we help little Burmese refugees on the other side of the planet, that Jesus takes it personally, church. When we love people and serve people and give generously to people and pray for people and go to people like Jesus came to us, he takes it personally. It is an exact reflection of who he is and what he does for us that we get to do for those around us. Basically, those on the other side of this coin in this verse uh, basically say, when? Like, when did we do that? When did we feed you? When did we clothe you? When did we visit you? When did we do all these things for you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See that? The king doesn't respond, you did it for me. The king doesn't respond, you did it in my name, on my behalf. The king responds, you did it to me. Church, I think that's significant. Isn't he a good God that steps into our shoes to fill our pain, to look into our eyes, isn't he a good God? And this morning, I want to tell you, Jesus gives us a command to be involved in the mission of Christ to reach the world, to reach the needy, to help them out of their need and their desperation for physical things, but to reach them at their most desperate spiritual need as well. Jesus wants us to live a full life in front of others, living with him, serving, giving, going, praying generously to demonstrate a full life with him and what that looks like. And it's not optional. I don't believe it's optional. It never was supposed to be optional. You know why? Because I believe Jesus' last words would have been important. You guys know what Jesus' last words written in the Bible are? Christ's last words on earth before he left us would be important, right? I mean, he, he's talking with his followers, his friends, those who would take this gospel forward and teach it to us eventually, right? And so he would have said important things. Let me say it like this, church. If you had the opportunity to share this good news with your friends and family, if you had the opportunity to choose your last words to your friends and family, wouldn't it be something important? I believe it would. Extremely important, right? I mean, the Patriots might come up. You know, I got to change that everywhere I go around the country. <laughs> In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, listen to this, church. In Acts 1.8, but I, but I do love the patriots. Anyway, in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Can you say it with me, church? Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come up on you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to do what? 
I believe in this verse, Jesus is saying, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to do whatever it is I command you to do next. It's kind of like a, you're gonna be okay statement from Jesus. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, church. Does anybody have a Bible version out there that reads, you ought to be my witnesses? You should be my witnesses. You could be my witnesses. You might be my witnesses. You may be my witnesses. If you've got the right education or upbringing or if you live in the right place or if you've got millions and millions of dollars, does anybody have a Bible version that reads any of those things? No. All of our Bibles say, you will be my witnesses. This is a command from a king. In Jerusalem and in all Judea, in Samaria and to the end of the earth church Jerusalem that's right around here that's impacting lives like these guys that's rescuing women from trafficking Judea and, and Samaria that's further out that's further out of our neighborhoods out of our community I believe Samaria is meant to say to those people who don't look like you act like you talk like you think like you believe like you to the Jewish hearer of this when Jesus said it go to Samaria those are the people we're supposed to hate those are the people that we're not like them that's a dangerous place. I believe Jesus is telling all of us that we are meant to go into hard places to do hard things because it's worth it, church. And because those people matter. And then he says, to the end of the earth, church, and that means everywhere, all the time, everybody needs to know about this good news. Let me say it like this, church. Jesus came as a missionary from heaven so that he might make us missionaries for heaven. Let me say it again. Jesus came as a missionary from heaven to reach me and you so that we might be able to sit in this room today so that he could use his word to show us the way and to challenge us to take steps of faith to go be missionaries to people. In Romans 10, Paul writes, in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, Paul writes what happens when we get involved. When we take steps of faith to follow the command of Jesus to go to people, Paul writes, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news, church. They will be saved if they call out to Jesus. Listen, I don't know your story. Watching online or sitting in this room, you might have a story that where you feel you are so far from Jesus that nothing can bring you back. And let me tell you one thing. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means me and that means you. And so if you've not done that today, I want to challenge you to do that even right now in your seat. And you say, God, I'm broken. 
I need to be fixed and you are the fixer. You are the only one who can put me back together and I desperately need you. But then I don't want to leave you in that moment because God has more for us. If you've already accepted Christ as your Savior here today, let me tell you, God has more for us. The rest of the verse reads, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Listen, church, send me. Send Kevin Feldy. Send us, but don't just send us, church. Because the need is bigger than that. And the command is more pointed than that, church. I want to challenge each of you today to write a blank check. Nobody fell out of their seats, so that's good. I want to challenge you to write a blank check, not to me, not to Man of Worldwide, not to Cape Cod Church. But I want to challenge you to write a blank check to God with your life. I want to challenge you to say what I said on that rooftop many years ago. God, whatever it is you want me to do, I will do it wherever you want me to go. I will go. Whatever you want me to give, I will give. No strings attached. Church, this morning we are in a celebration we're in a time of celebration of all that you have done and all that you will do in 2023 and in the future. Church, you have given generously so that people like these guys can hear about this good news, so that women can be rescued off the streets, so that churches may be built in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, God, so that kids in Thailand, Burmese refugees can get to hear this good news. And I want to challenge you today to continue to do that. To give generously so that the kids on the screen, I believe, in a moment, in Thailand, in the Mana Kitchen, these 280 kids that are being fed every day, that are being served and told about this Jesus, can come to know him more fully, can live a more full life with Christ and can go forward and share this good news to their friends and their community and their Samaria and their end of the earth. Church, I wanna... I wanna thank you for your partnership with Mana. I wanna thank you for our, your partnership with our family. I wanna thank you with your partnership that makes sure that these kids have their needs met, church. We've got a big lofty goal. Every year we feel like God gives us a, a mission, a goal to say we are as a family going to step forward and do something scary. Right here at the end of the year when everybody is talking about Christmas and presents and all the things, we always say, God, what would you have us do? Just before Tom Main sent me a message saying that you guys were going to get involved to support this project at $24,000 this coming year. We had set that number at $100,000 that we were going to try to raise in the last five or six weeks of the year. And then I get a message from Tom May. 
hey, we wanna get involved in a big way. We're gonna give you guys $24,000. What can it go to? <laughs> Isn't that good timing? Woo, made me feel better. That's a big goal, $100,000 in like a month or so, right? But God, he is using you, your giving to impact the world in ways that you'll never understand. I mean, maybe one day you'll travel there with me, just a little pitch, and I'll get you to introduce you to some of these kids. But we won't understand until eternity just what all of that means. But I can tell you, because I know God is good, that it is good, whatever it is. Church, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this moment when we can come together as the church to celebrate you, to celebrate all that you are doing in the lives of people around the world and here in this community through this church. And Father, we love you and we seek to serve you with our lives in ways that we may not even understand yet. And God, we seek to say to you, do what you want with our lives. We'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll give however you want us to give. We'll go wherever you want us to go. Because we know that you are good, that you're in control that you are allowing us to live out the life that you've called us to as believers. Father, we thank you for all that you do and all that you will do. And we ask you to bless it, to use it and multiply it in the lives of children in Thailand and all around the world so that we may see your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.